0: Uh. 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 Mm. orgasmic enlightenment where the sexual and spiritual come together i'm kim and i'm a holistic sex and relationship coach and a vaginal weightlifter in this show we explore all things intimate I believe that our sexual energy is life force creative energy and we can use it to shape our worlds, strengthen our relationships, and self-actualize. I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. origins and orgasms from whence she came. People always want to know, how did I come to do what I do? So here it is. My story began, I guess you could say, I had an awareness of my sexual energy from a very young age. And I had this sense that it was this portal to other dimensions, other states of consciousness. And my early sexual experiences really reflected this, where I felt like I would get high or I would become in this altered I would feel more like the best and real version of myself. So it had this self-actualizing capacity and that the sense that the false layers, the conditioning of who I am would be thrown off of me and just dissolve. And I would be left with a much more true, clean, real version of who I am. And so this really shaped my view of sex as a personal growth and recalibration tool. Even though sex was about pleasure, it was almost, and even more importantly, a way of coming back to and elevating myself. So in my early twenties, I discovered Tantra and Taoism. So back 5,000 years ago in ancient India and China, they looked at sex as healthy, vital, and a spiritual catalyst. They actually had practices to harness sexual energy and consciously use it in their lives for growth and ecstasy and healing. And in Taoist times, the Emperor would have this court (laughs) of people who were also studying these things, and this knowledge was traditionally passed down through women. The courtesans of the Emperor's court held this powerful knowledge, and they would impart it to the men, in particular the Emperor, and teach him how to use his sexual energy in a way that would give him more wisdom, more vitality, more charisma as a leader. And so this was considered to be an essential skill especially for people in, I guess you could say, aristocratic circles, that you really had to know how to tune into your sexual energy and how to use it consciously. This was essential. And then the same thing in their medical circles, like a Taoist physician would, this was around the time that they were studying herbs and acupressure, acupuncture, they used sex as medicine. So you'd go to see your Chinese doctor of the day, and they would give you a prescription for herbs, like some herbal tea to cook up for acupuncture treatment. And then they would tell you to go have sex for the next 30 days in a particular sexual position, like let's say reverse cowgirl for a woman, because that would send healing energy towards the kidneys. So their idea was that sexual energy was vital, powerful, life force energy, and that our job, our duty, was to learn to tune into this energy and consciously use it in our lives. So all of these things made so much more sense to me and resonated with my own experiences of sexual energy as being this vital, powerful source. And certainly that was the opposite to anything that I'd seen in Western culture where sex was shamed and taboo and especially the spiritual element where sex and God never the twain shall meet except for in very untoward circumstances where people had been suppressing their sexual energy and then it was coming out in all of these very perverted and mutilated ways and in these other cultures they used sex as a springboard. So this was a powerful energy that if you learned how to elevate it, you could use it to get to higher states of consciousness and to reach enlightenment. That was a powerful tool in reaching spiritual enlightenment. So all of these things were very appealing to me and automatically fit much more of my experience than anything else I'd heard or seen thus far. So I studied a lot of these sexual ideas and techniques, one of which is the jade egg practice. And this, <laughs> if you don't know and don't know my not-so-secret skill of lifting objects with my vagina... This involves inserting a jade egg into the vagina. There's a hole drilled through the egg and a string is threaded through it and then it is inserted into the vagina. The string comes down and then you can lift any number of objects with it. And I lift anything from chandeliers to coffee tables to coconuts when I'm in Bali. And I have created this campaign, hashtag things I lift with my vagina, to educate people the world over on what a vagina is actually supposed to be able to do, which is shoot ping pong balls and throw darts and peel banana. <laughs> All of these things I consider to be normal. So a big part of my work is this idea that there is a normalization of dysfunction in our culture and I'm all about showing you what is really normal so my assertion is that Ping pong ball shooting is a normal, healthy baseline for every single vagina on the planet. It's not just a superior skill that's reserved for some Thai vaginas. No, every woman and her vagina ought to be able to do this. And what's abnormal, but has become normalized, is women having urinary incontinence, women having low libidos, women having issues with pelvic organ prolapse, women not having orgasms. That's been normalized. But the normal state of being is for everyone to have the these incredible experiences. So when I began using the jade egg, I could feel the difference right away. And my partners would notice the difference right away. If I hadn't been using it and started using it again, they immediately felt a difference in my vagina. And so over time, women would come to me and talk about using Kegels and that it wasn't very effective for them, but they thought they were the only one. And then (laughs) I said, hmm, to myself, no one, including myself, has ever seemed Gotten a positive result from Kegel exercises. And I'm going to talk more about this in a future podcast. So I won't get into too much detail, only to say that the Jade Egg is what the original Kegel exercise was designed to be. So I began teaching the Jade Egg practice to women, and they had immediate and dramatic results where, yes, their partners would notice a difference. They would heal urinary incontinence within a week. (laughs) They would have, they would be able to prevent pelvic organ prolapse, get their orgasms and their libido back just incredible results. So I felt that there was so much more productivity and actual tangible success with the kinds of work that I was doing, particularly these Taoist practices and techniques, but also in the idea that we can heal ourselves. And in the dominant Western medical paradigm, there's a real emphasis on the other having power. So you are a medical doctor in their white lab coat, has all the power, and you have none. You have none. Your illness mysteriously happened to you. And so the only people who can fix it are maybe them. And they usually can't even fix it. They can just band-aid it. And my philosophy is totally different, that we have ultimate power and responsibility. We can heal ourselves. And we just need to dig deep. And in my view, look at the psycho-spiritual-emotional cause of whatever illness or block or stagnation or ailment that we have. And that's where we find the answers. And that's where that quantum shift happens, where we can actually then see the results in physical healing. So this has been a huge part of my own growth and evolution is a fascination with how do people change, how do we grow, and how do we heal? And all of my studies have been, so much of it is really self-study for me, my own interest in philosophy and transpersonal psychology and meditation, food, nutrition, health, exercise. How do we get high from spiritual, sexual intimacy? So all of these things from, early. Honestly, in my, I guess you'd say my teenage years and early 20s have been my own passion and study to optimize myself. So I guess we could say it's like biohacking, but before any of us were really using that term, it's simply how can I optimize and become the best possible version of myself? And so because of my early sexual experiences where I saw that sex seemed to be a tool to improve my state of consciousness, how I felt emotionally, psychologically, spiritually that this became part of my personal growth toolbox. And it was so great to have this validated through the Taoist and Tantric studies and beliefs and practices where I knew that this was more truth than anything else I was really seeing. And there was a particular experience, or there was a few, even in my early encounters where when I was about I guess 18 i had a partner where i was probably the most deeply in love that i'd been to that point and we went away to my parents or family cabin and spent the weekend there just holed up inside i'm pretty sure it was the winter so we didn't really go out very much And we just talked and fucked and talked and fucked and talked and fucked for about 48 hours straight. And so, of course, the more intimate that you get with the talking, the more intimate you get with the sex. And the more deep and surrendered and open you get with the sex leads to even deeper and more connected and vulnerable, raw conversations. And it was like this incredible spiral of intimacy and depth and incredible deep cervical orgasms, G-spot orgasms and... If you don't know already, I'm really big on the idea. It's a main part of my whole work that women, all women can have vaginal orgasms and that these are the life-changing essential orgasms for women. So I was having a, pl- a plethora of those all weekend. I go back to, we go back to the city and on let's on Monday, I guess I go back to work where at this job I was working at. And I just felt so calm and centered and transcended and peaceful and happy, really blissful within myself. So wonderful. And then I noticed that my energy was magnetizing all these people to me. Like men in the office that I was working at would just come and linger, find an excuse to linger next to me. It was like a moth attracting. I guess a moth being attracted to the flame, like I was the flame, and people were just coming into my space because something was really delicious about being around me, and I'm not saying this to brag or boast, it was an observation about the fact that I was radiating this incredible well-fucked energy, and I talk a lot about the idea of the well-fucked woman, which also applies to men, the well-fucked man, where when you're truly inhabiting and wearing your sexual energy, you radiate this beauty and charisma and confidence and vitality that people want to be around and you draw things to you. And the opposite happens when you're not inhabiting your sexual energy, you become like this inverted vortex where you repel situations and people and abundance from you. So that was really the proof in the pudding where I could see A, how I felt, and B, how I was affecting my environment around me. So that helped to solidify more and more of this. And then I had other experiences of deep cervical orgasms where the same thing. I felt this transcendence. I felt self-realized. I felt so centered and connected to myself. So this became like this cumulative snowball effect, really reinforcing the power of sex and intimacy for me. So at about age 19, I began a regular meditation practice. At around age 22, I gave up drugs and alcohol. And this was when I found the particular spiritual path that I follow and had a daily commitment to doing that work. And I just, it, it all fell away. Like the things I was searching for in drugs and alcohol were altered states of consciousness. And once I found, I guess the, probably as well, the mix of all of these things together, I had no need for them it wasn't like a conscious decision I need to quit this is the day I'm gonna quit I literally just did not go back there ever again and I then had all of these alternative ways to change my consciousness and feel really good inside my own skin and that's been a huge part of my existence ever since is that I've had these daily practices be it meditation exercise um, being in nature, <laughs> eating really well, that have helped me to feel good in my own skin. And I'd say that's one of my biggest goals in life is having that daily sense of feeling really good in my own skin. So, and I was about age 20, I moved to London, England, because I wanted to study acting. And I was into introduced to the school that I was attracted to, had this very raw, vibe to it and it was the main thing was method acting so method acting if you don't know is a technique of acting where you instead of trying to emulate what something looks like like let's say you have a scene where you have to be angry in traditional acting you would think well what does an angry person look like well they shake their fist they pound on the table they furrow their brow they raise their voice they stomp around and have like Frantic, you know, physical motion. That's what anger looks like. In method acting, you would go within yourself to find a time and a place where you had been really angry. And you would really dive into that feeling and sensation and experience where you would actually emulate that and you would come from this angry place. And then all of the other external things would naturally just find themselves. You wouldn't have to think about doing them. And that whole idea became really foundational in all of my philosophy is that we are coming from a place of having been conditioned and having things superimposed upon us, having beliefs superimposed upon us, especially in the sexual arena where there's so much taboo. And by the way, wherever there is great taboo, there is great power because taboo suggests an area where there's been repression and wherever there's been repression, once you begin to to open up that place, excavate, you unleash. It's like opening Pandora's box. You unleash this massive amount of power that was previously been suppressed. And there's another beautiful analogy to this is I read the book Natural, oh no, no, it's called Born to Run and by uh, McDougall, Chris McDougal, years ago. And that was one of the kind of origin for the whole barefoot running movement. So in the book, he profiles some of the fastest runners, fastest long distance runners in the world. So these are people who do ultra marathons. And there was a handful of people. And then there was a tribe in Mexico that was reported to be ultra marathoners. And they, he went and investigated, found this tribe, wanted to learn about them. And then his idea was to pit the people, the fastest people in this tribe against these fastest runners in the world. And he did that. There was this incredible race, I'm saying incredible a lot today, that went uh, on in these canyons in Mexico. So these people would take old tires, like car tires, rubber, strap them to their feet just to protect them from getting cut and go through these wild, craggly, steep, death-defying canyons and run a marathon for fun. Like on a Sunday afternoon, what would be a fun thing to do today? Let's go and run a marathon. And he (laughs) pitted these people together. So as he studied running and the evolution of running and his archaeological evidence found that humans were really born to run. And we're born to run because we outrun our prey by tiring them out. So unlike other animals who have to have short bursts of speed to catch their prey, we actually don't function that way. We actually tire out and catch our prey, or historically, through running, 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 and the animal gets tired, and we've kept up our stamina, and that's when we catch them. So the whole thing about, oh, you know, we get, if you run too much or run on hard surfaces, you injure your knees. It's never been that running injured humans. It's been (laughs) running shoes that injured humans. So running injuries are all caused by the things that we superimpose upon the human body, like running shoes. So all of these support arch support things and pronation support actually mess up our posture and our gait and our body more than just running with flat feet. Of course, if you've worn shoes your whole life, you have to wean off of shoes to get back to that place. But he says there's never been a study ever once saying that running shoes are actually improving our performance in any way. So I look at the conditioning that we've had through all of this stuff around sexual taboo as running shoes and then when you remove the conditioning what's underneath that is that people are naturally orgasmic have high libidos their capacity for wondrous sexual connection is all intact you just need to remove the blocks and the conditioning And that's been the real mainstay in my philosophy and it all connects. So, so much of my work has been in my own work as well. So I have to make it really clear, you know, I was never somebody who was like, hmm, one day I'll go to sex coach school and I'll become a sex teacher and that's my path. No, 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 like what I do is this cumulative effect of all of my self-education. And when I look back at... How I've put together my own genre of work, which I call myself a holistic sex and relationship coach, is that it's the result of all of the meandering and my own personal growth, my own guinea pigging on myself for how can I heal, how can I optimize, how can I remove my conditioning and come back to me, the most fierce, powerful, true, authentic version of me. And so, so much of the things that I incorporate in my work are things that I've tried, pretty much everything that I've tried myself, and can then add to this pot of um, tools and resources and the whole, I guess you could say, um, school of thought and healing that is really the Kimonami philosophy that comes from me. So there was a time in my life where I thought that I was gonna go in a certain direction in terms of going to university and following a certain course of study. And when I realized that wasn't the direction for me, I felt really lost for a while because I'd always had this confidence about where I was going and how I was gonna get there. And when that all changed, I was feeling quite listless, like, like ungrounded. And so what I had to really incorporate then in my life is what is the next right thing for me to do? So for example, at that point back years ago, it was I'm going to London and I'm going to study acting and that Lasted for about a year. And then I got a sign that acting wasn't really the direction for me. But the skills that I picked up, which was again, this whole philosophy about removing layers, but also being able to speak and project my voice and be really comfortable doing improv and performing in front of people like all of these skills were amazing skills to have. And at that point, the next right thing was I wanted to go study with First Nations people and learn from a shaman and do sweat lodges. And and be educated in their way of life. I wanted to study with a medicine person. So I came back to North America and I began to do that. And then that led to me going to live off the grid uh, in this area, like off the coast of British Columbia on a pirate boat, and then living and working in the bush and being quite off the grid. And really then going from this opposite experience, living in London, to being off the grid, no power, no running water, living on a float house with my partner at the time, literally doing chop wood, carry water. We would go to this Pure stream, fill the jugs up with water, carry them back. We would be chopping firewood, and then we were constructing these split board float houses that we would mill, <laughs> hand mill from boards that my partner would be beach combing in that area. So complete opposite. But this was, and I spent about three years living quite off the grid, and that was a huge education in itself. And then, then I, after that, I you know was led someplace else. So I think I went to. after that. So step by step by step, all of the things that I did and the choices I made created this perfect self-education that led me to where I am today. And there's no way I could have gone to any kind of school or program to learn what I did in the way that I learned it. And I've always been passionate about learning and knowledge. I wasn't so keen on school because I really I realized that it was more about conditioning than about education. So if I could have taken the education and left the conditioning, that's what I would have done. And that's really what I did. And so all of that knowledge came together to form the body of the work that I have today. And I'm so grateful for that. I often say if I'd gone to some kind of traditional therapeutic sex school, I'd be broke and unsuccessful because so much of the knowledge that Western science or lack thereof have, don't have it's wrong you know this idea like oh is there really a g-spot or oh you know it's just not empowering and the women i see on a daily basis who are still struggling with so many issues because western medicine and particularly OBGYN medicine doesn't have answers it doesn't have answers it doesn't have solutions and it never actually heals women it cuts out their organs it gives them drugs to suppress symptoms it doesn't heal them In my work, people get healed on a daily, hourly, regular basis. And that is my goal is to actually have healing happen. So what I realized then, so you know, that was okay, so when that all came together, that was amazing for me. Like as then I began to incorporate all the stuff I was doing into life coaching. Uh, intimacy coaching, even a kind of business coaching. And then I realized as I did that, that you know what? The place that gets people the most stuck, if they have issues in their intimate relationship, that sucks everything else into a vortex. So in life coaching, they talk about this wheel of life. You look at your your family, your environment, your finances, your social relationships, your children, this pie of everything that, you know, all the spokes of the wheel in your life. And if the intimate part was out of whack, everything else was out of whack. And if the intimate part was doing incredible and flourishing, it elevated everything else in people's lives. So that really gave me the confidence and direction, like this is where I need to focus all of my energy. And it's great that I have this background in all of these other areas that are complementary and give me this wonderful wide view, holistic perspective. But the key is really the sex and intimate life of a human. If that's fucked up, they're fucked up. And if that's doing amazing, which to be really honest, it is in very few people doing amazing because there's so much conditioning preventing that from happening. But if it is doing amazing, then they are overall doing amazing. So early on in my work, I realized that it wasn't the how. So, you know, you read a Cosmo article, it's like 50 tips for better oral sex. Like, if a woman doesn't want to give a blowjob to her partner, it doesn't matter how many blowjob tips she has under her sleeve, she's not going to do it. So I realized we have to figure out why the woman doesn't want to do this or vice versa. You know, I'm using a woman as an example here. It can be either person. So that became essential, is like, why are these things good for us? And then I got really into the idea, and for also very colored by my own experiences, that sex acts had this power to be self-actualizing. So I had an experience where I was giving my partner... So, oral sex. So I always liked sucking cock. You know, I I liked the pleasure that it gave my partner. I enjoyed doing it, but I wouldn't say I loved it. Like, I mean, it was good. It was great. But then I had this person who I was so deeply mind, body, soul in love with, and I could not get enough of his cock. Like he would walk by. And I would drop to my knees and just have to touch it. Like I would suck it and suck it, you know, for hours on end. Like I couldn't get it out of my mouth. I couldn't get enough of it. I was in love with his cock. I was in love with him and I was in love with cock. I had two separate relationships going on. I had one with him and I had one with his cock. And... You know, I, literally, I could not walk by without fondling it, without giving it some kind of love and attention. And when we split up, I mourned him and I mourned his cock. It was quite devastating, the loss. But that energy of having this relationship with the cock carried forward then and has into all of my other relationships following that, where I've had these like beautiful and love relationships with cock. And So that really showed me as well, like the healing power of sex, like I was so nourished. And there's this idea in tantric and Taoist philosophy that we take in the yang and yin essences of our partners, especially through their genitals and through their fluids. And so the more cock as a woman that you suck, the more yang essence you take into yourself and you balance out your own yin yang. And then for a man, the more yin essence that you take in, the more that you're balancing out your yang and your yin. It's very, nurturing and balancing to do that. And then I came to the place of swallowing ejaculate. And in a classic Taoist and Chantra philosophy, they talk and encourage men to retain their ejaculatory fluid. And so And and I learned about this in my early 20s. And so I would try to educate my partners about this that, you know, in Tantra and Taoism, you want to ideally learn how to orgasm without ejaculation so that you can have a great orgasm, but you don't lose your fluids. And I would try to teach my partners about this, A, so they could help conserve their own energy, and B, so they could fuck me for longer. I was really into the idea of extended marathon sex from a young age. Like I saw that the longer I got fucked, the more orgasmically enlightened I became the higher I got the more self-realized I got that serious like hour two hour sessions were vital for me as a woman and a human to have and that you know five minutes or ten minutes was fucking nothing and then having hours plus of sex was life-changing So I was right on this, like, you guys need to learn how to do this. And so I'd be teaching them. There's different breathing techniques and other techniques, which is what I talk about in my work. And I would show them how to do this. So let's say I got a lover who wasn't really into it. And I was like, all right, well, that's fine. So if you're going to ejaculate, just make sure that you ejaculate inside of me and not on me because that would be a waste because this fluid is then thought to be so powerful that there are stories of women actually going around like in these ancient times, having sex with men as much as they could to take their essence and get nourished by it. So I'm like, well, if you don't want it, I'll take it. Like, let's just not waste it, okay? Like, if you want to come on my tits or whatever, like just as long as it gets back inside of me like that's that's the important thing so I would say how would be giving my partner a blowjob and swallow the ejaculate and I would get high I would get mentally this clarity this inspiration I'd feel like I would need to run to my computer and start writing and it was amazing so I always knew that calm got me high and I knew that it had this very powerful vitality to it and then I later read about the work of Dr. Gordon Gallup, who found that semen is an antidepressant. So, look, the Taoist and, you know, and Tantric thought they'd already known that this was a vital energy source and it ought not to be wasted, or if it's used, it's consciously exchanged with a partner. And anyway, so he, from a scientific perspective, they did a study at Rutgers with these women who were in varying states of depression, or maybe they all had the same level of depression on the back inventory. And so women who were having sex then with condoms were one group, and women having lots of sex without condoms and the women having lots of sex without condoms lifted their depressive symptoms. So it wasn't just the having sex, it was absorbing the fluid. And so he looked then further into the seminal fluid and found that there's over like 50 different compounds, neurotransmitters, hormones, everything from dopamine, testosterone, vasopressin, estrone, serotonin, which is the S and SSRI, so it's a natural antidepressant, all of these mood-boosting chemicals. And so all of these things started to, all of this information, a lot of it from my own, the laboratory of my own bed, the bed of my then my clients and my lovers became, you know, foundational to my work and my theories. Well, let's not call them theories, let's call them facts because they're facts. And in my work. And I was thrilled then to be able to share this information with people and then use this to help women, let's say, and their partners understand why sucking cock is so important. And then the other element that would obviously come into play is if a woman and a man are or whatever, a woman and a woman, man or man, partners are not feeling connected, then that's going to color their sexual relationships. So if they're feeling like let's say they've had an argument at breakfast time and then they go to have sex at night and she doesn't really want to suck his cock or he's not having a strong erection or she's not getting wet. All of that is directly related to the fact that there is unresolved stuff hanging in the ethers between them. And so if a couple has been together for a while and they have lots of baggage, lots of unresolved stuff, so they've just swept it under the carpet, they've tried to move along and not really process and finish off or you know dissolve the energy around a situation that stuff sits in bed. It sits in the ethers. It you know takes up space in the room. That's like not doing any feng shui. It's like having a giant clutter-filled space. And then we're, whatever whatever reason, people assume or think that that has nothing to do with then the quality of their sexual connection. And to me, that's everything to do with that. And so if you aren't doing regular emotional processing and communication with your partner, that shows up in bed. So all of this stuff started to form then the body of my work of like looking deeper at the causes of why a couple isn't coming together. And technique, the mechanics, the actual like how to give a blow job is 10% of the game. And even then, I believe that if I can remove, help a person to remove the blockages in their system, technique is Doesn't really matter because they are intuitively going to know how to touch, move, be in in tune with themselves, be in tune with their partners. I'm not going to have to give them specific techniques. Like, there's certain things that, let's say anal sex, right? Like, you need to use lube. And I had some early encounters with. Equally inexperienced lovers, where they would try to have, we would try to have anal sex and not use lube and be astonished about why it was so uncomfortable because we just didn't know. And so much of almost pretty much all of my own personal exploration all of the orgasms i discovered were only through self-discovery and partner discovery not because i ever read a how-to guide or even knew that there were different kinds of orgasms i was having several different kinds of orgasms before i even know there was i knew internally there was a delineation but i didn't have names for them like i just knew they were different and i knew the ones inside my vagina were the gold like those are the ones to aim for so All of that stuff combines to show us that Okay, so technique is very, a small part of the equation. So yes, I teach it, but, and especially stuff around like harnessing and harvesting sexual energy is the bulk of the important technique that I teach people. But the stuff that I most want to show them is how to remove their conditioning, remove their blockages so they can tune into their own knowing. Because once they have that, you know what to do. It's like dancing. Like I remember i guess i was a teenager and we took in this family vacation to jamaica and i'd snuck out to go dancing to the club at the hotel or somewhere we were staying and and i just suddenly got really deeply into the music and found my own rhythm and just that whole dance like nobody's watching like i'm always the craziest person on the dance floor even though i'm the only generally sober person on the dance floor Because I don't give a shit and I totally just go with what's inside of my body. And I love it and I I love dancing. It's one of the most fun things in the world. But I found my own rhythm in that moment and it's always carried forward. So, what I'm trying to do with people is to help them find their own sexual rhythm and listen to that because that's going to show them more wisdom than anything else. And So the idea that, you know, 50 different blowjob techniques, then you'd be using your mind, right? You'd be using your mind to remember the the steps in the technique and to apply it properly. And that's not what we're after. We're after you tuning in. And that's how you actually break new ground as well, is when you get that original thing that comes out of you. One of the pillars of my whole philosophy is that sexual energy is creative energy. And this was something that I first tuned into through the Taoist sexual practices. They talk about this as the creative life force. So this is the energy that creates new life. And if you're not creating babies with this energy, then you can use it and channel it into your daily lives. And so the Taoist uh, history. they talk about how like techniques to do this and how people intuitively also do it is that if you're really open to your sexual energy and you don't have a lot of blockages going on, then you will naturally channel that energy into your life. So I do this as much as I'm a healer and a teacher. This is also my whole work is a way for me to express myself as an artist. And as a younger person, I always had a very strong creative bent within myself. And my work currently allows me to blend all of these to get things together. My love of being creative and passionate about art and also healing and well-being and spirituality. So, as an example, like in the work that I do, all of the marketing ideas I come up with, like hashtag things I love to my vagina, the idea of the well-fucked woman, all of this stuff comes from me. I come up with these ideas. I don't farm out for it. Writing is my art. I love to write. I have to write. I'm compelled to write. And the idea is that if you're tapped into your sexual energy, then you're also maximizing your creative potential. And you can't help but not be. when you're in that energy. And when you're not, then you're actually operating at a deficiency because you don't have that energy at your disposal to express yourself with. And I often hear from people and see like as they're more and more inhabiting their sexual energy, they become more vital as humans, like this idea that you can actually see the energy of a well-fucked person. When I'm on my retreats and so we have like 10 couples there and for a week and over the course of the week, of course, a few days when the couple comes in varying levels of connection. Two or three days into it, she's had some vaginal orgasms. She's getting fucked on a regular basis. You can usually notice it more in the woman, just whatever for whatever reason. She she stands out. She becomes vital, luscious, sensual, beautiful, radiant, like it's tangible, and everyone can see it and feel it in the group. And these are noticeable things, and we you know (laughs) like don't realize. And honestly, most people are operating from an under fucked place. So the creative connection is so wonderful to me because I'm so interested in the idea that we can create original art. So this concept that's out there, there's nothing original out there. Fucking bullshit. That's only being said by people who are emulators and copiers and imitators. People doing original work just get to fucking work. And you know, Chuck Close has a great quote I you know, inspiration is for amateurs, the rest of but just get to fucking work, which isn't really about, get to work, actually, I added the fucking, um, isn't really about originality so much, but just the idea that you show up and you apply yourself and then eventually these things come out of you. It's consistent effort. So Ian Schrager is one of my innovation heroes. So he created Studio 54 back in the day, and he's also the inventor of the boutique hotel concept. So he came up with this idea that this hotel ought to be A, visually artistically created in a way like to to kind of defy your own senses like how did this even come together so his hotels often have like these juxtapositions of different time periods and art pieces and ideas it's just like a wonder it's going into this wild surreal universe and he also had the idea that these ought to be the sought-after places to come to in the city so rather than like leaving your hotel to go out to the best club or out to the best restaurant he would bring those and house those in the hotel and that it would be this really unique, interesting, smaller kind of experience. So I love his work, I love his hotels, I love what he's put out there, but his concept was that you would just step out into this territory of what hasn't been done before, get right up to the edge, and then not fall off the edge. So there was this art of straddling that edge. And I've always, that really resonated with me as a creator. And that's what I aim to do. And I believe that if you're truly in touch with your sexual energy, you do create original work. And I basically I can tell then if people aren't in touch with that energy in themselves, they're gonna be of that vein where they're imitators and copiers. And the world is full of those. And yes, like all kinds of art evolves from other art. And certainly like work that I've done, like you know, like I've said very openly that a lot of the ideas that I have come from Taoist sexual philosophy but tons of them i've found in my own bed i they've come out of my own experience and observation and my own creation so i stand by quite firmly the idea that we can all create original things if we're truly in touch with our sexual energy Some of the main pillars of my philosophy are, as I've already said, sexual energy is creative life force energy. We can learn to consciously tune into it, amplify it and harness it for our daily lives. Another one is that we use our relationship as a vessel for growth, and that when we come together, all of our trauma and wounding gets triggered, and we want this to happen. (laughs) I've used my own relationships. I feel like I've had actually a fair amount of breakups and relationships spin off because it taught me what triggers that like what actually show like what do we do wrong what did I do wrong where did the relationship go wrong and how do we write that and I think I learned more through that than I might have had through like say having a 30 year solid relationship I've had long-term relationships but um, you know I think that I learned a lot more along the way through the places where I messed up like for example one of the things that I realized is radical honesty and the lie of a lie I call it And when you, in relationship, one of the things I talk about is the importance of being radically honest with each other. And that's the foundation for trust and openness. And if you don't have that, you can't get to these higher places of ascension together that I talk about so much. And so the idea of outright lies or even white lies or sins of omission, I learned that. Like if I would hold something back or... you know, try to like gloss over and kind of hide something behind something else that created a major disruption in a relationship and often was irrevocable. Like it couldn't be gone back from and I don't mean things like cheating on other people. Like, I mean, even more subtle things of holding things back. And so that was a huge revelation to me in my own experience. So using the relationship as a way for us to grow. So I believe that you bring all of your shit to bed with you. Like that's the place where instead of trying to present a certain face, you bring everything there and the power and the love. And if you have this connection, the emotional connection and the sexual connection, that's a power source. Like that is where you gain so much energy. So when I realized that I had these relationships where we were emotionally intimate and raw and connected, and then we were sexually like fully open and surrendered and could go into these experiences with abandon, we were unstoppable. That that relationship, that energy had a power like no other. And that is what, I try to teach people is how do you get to that place? Because most people are in these pseudo economic social agreements and partnerships that aren't quite frankly that much different than what we've had for centuries where marriage was an economic or social partnership versus using that relationship as a platform for growth and evolution and to become your highest self and to become superpowers in the world where the two of you come together. And rather than just being two individuals side by side, you magnify the power and effectiveness you have in the world by 10 by 100. And I've seen that I've lived it and I teach that. So that is a power source that is essential to everyone's lives and Hardly anyone understands that that's actually available to them. Radical self-responsibility. So in my view, responsibility is power. If you don't have it, you cannot heal yourself. And as I said, this is the opposite of Western allopathic medicine, which says that health issues are random, there's some accident, and someone else can heal you. And I believe the opposite. The most important person in your healing is you. If you believe that on some level, somewhere, with some belief, some thought, some idea, even some karmic reason, you created this ailment, this situation that you have, then you can heal it. But if you don't ever take that responsibility, healing will constantly elude you. So I'm pretty much, I'm a real hard ass actually, in my salons with people and telling them about this and encouraging them to really take this responsibility because it's the only way to get true healing. So those are some of the key elements, I guess, that through my own work and philosophy that I bring into my whole practice. So like professionally speaking, these days, the bulk of what I do is I teach online programs. So I call them salons, which is based on this old idea that people would come together in these groups, the intelligentsia of the day, and exchange sophisticated ideas on art and music and culture, there'd be flirtation involved, but it would be the kind of group um, dynamic of self-education. And that's what I do online in my programs. I'm the primary educator source, but everyone helps to educate and share with each other. And so most of what I do is online. I still run retreats throughout um, a couple times a year, one in Bali, one in Mexico, where these people come together for a week and I go very deep with them and we they come out <laughs> very well fucked and transcended with their sex lives. Personally, I spend about half of the year in Indonesia where I run my days according to the rhythms of the surf. And if I didn't mention it already, I'm an avid surfer. I all my life wanted to surf and was like in varying locations where sometimes I could and couldn't didn't have consistent access to really good surf. And now I do. So when I'm in Indonesia, I surf pretty much every day, if not twice a day. I plan my day and my existence around the tide and the swell and the wind when it's good. Everything has to fall around those times. I'm pretty much barefoot, bikini clad, and sun-drenched every day, and that's the way I, I like it. I love the barefoot, luxury, eco, feet in the ground, lots of tropical fruit kind of ethos. That's where I radiate. And the rest of the time I spend in Los Angeles and different places throughout the world. I spend a fair amount of time in Australia. Basically, beaches and surf and sand, wherever I can get them with culture that I'm interested. And I do Pretty much all of my work through my laptop. Somebody asked me on a podcast interview recently what my three or who my three biggest teachers were. And I struggled. I was like, I can't really think of that. And then I thought, well, you know, recently I'd say my three biggest teachers, maybe even my whole life, have been the forest and the ocean and myself, where I believe that the true answers come from within. And these days, I'm not even that interested in reading the books and the ideas of other people. I would rather find that truth from within myself. And I'm always interested in people who are doing very innovative, cutting-edge work, and really becoming the own original thinkers of themselves and their ideas. I I love that, I have great respect for that. And then, you know, but I also believe that we get our own answers from within. And I don't like this idea of constantly going to other people to get information and answers. I like it when people show you how to find your own truth. And so living and spending so much more time in the ocean these days, I feel like it's become a part of me. Like there's so many beautiful metaphors about flow and catching waves and positioning yourselves and then getting into the flow of a wave and nature and life that come through surfing that are great life teachers and metaphors. And also being in the ocean. The ocean is this wonderful cleanser of energy. It cleanses your aura, it cleanses your emotions. The sound of the ocean I think elevates you gets you out of your mind and just puts you into your body. And this wonderful flow of energy and synchronicity that as surfers, I think you come to rely on on a daily basis. People who spend a lot of time in the water, which I've now seen the more I'm immersed in surf communities, they need it. It's like the ocean becomes a part of you. Just the way we need oxygen on land to breathe It's like something in the water becomes an essential element of who you are. And did you know that dolphins and whales used to live on land and they evolved and migrated into the ocean? And that's why they still have to come up for air in the water because they were land animals. So I think there's something to that. Like, I remember Kelly Slater saying that he feels more at home in the ocean than he does on land. And I'm starting to identify more and more with that idea. And also the forest. Like, I grew up, we had a, I mentioned my famed summer cabin where I had a great sexual awakening at, which is pretty fitting, I suppose, and spent summers and weekends there growing up. And that was always a refuge for me, this idea that I could go into the forest and it would just pull toxicity, emotional or physical toxicity out of me like a poultice, which is this herbal term for a, a, a like a pouch full of herbs that you put on your skin and it draws the toxins out of you and I feel like nature acts that way especially the forest the jungle to pull that stuff out of you plus oxygen like it's pretty amusing to me these days that we have terms like forest bathing and earthing to signify like going out to breathe oxygen clean oxygen is like this crazy idea that we have now in modern urban polluted life or putting your feet on the ground to get the energy of nature that we've all become many of us have become quite separate from. So those elements have always been really important to me as a way of recalibration. And again, it comes back to the idea that you are, within yourself, perfect and unflawed and have a great sense of right and wrong and what's right for you as long as you are sloughing off any of the conditioning the ideas or the opinions of other people the blockages or traumas that have happened to you that have covered over that innate knowing So those things, those are some of the major tools that I use in my life. And it's wonderful that even, (laughs) I'm saying wonderful, it's incredible and wonderful. Those are good adjectives, I guess, if you think, what's the main theme in my life? It's incredible. It's wonderful. Is going out into nature, and you don't even have to actively do very much. Like I'm, at, I'm in Tasmania right now, which is the wild island south of Australia. It's part of Australia, but the mainland of Australia. It's south of it, and they have the cleanest air in the world and the cleanest rainwater in the world. And I come out here once a year for a week or two, and all I do is go for rainforest walks. I just make <laughs> my people take me on rainforest hikes all the time. So I'm getting that cleansing, that forest bathing, that recalibration, that rejuvenation. I'm a big believer in that. And that's a really big part of my own self-care and restoration as a human, apart from eating organic food and having this whole pathway that I also follow in my daily practices, clean loving, clean eating, but getting out into nature and using that as a restorative device. So that's a pretty good introduction, I'd say, to who I am and what I'm all about. And I want this show to be a place where there can be more free and open conversations about sex and intimacy, which I have at much more length in my actual salons that I run. And I want to start having more of them out here. I also want to introduce you to people and ideas that are renegades in their field and they are working passionately to bring powerful empowering information to people so that you too can take responsibility and take charge of your own health and well-being and sexual enlightenment so a lot of these things will be tangential or related health practices and ideas and philosophies it might be directly sexual or overall like hormonal balance or whatever that is that i think is part of the entire holistic package of well-being and orgasmic enlightenment So welcome everyone, I'm thrilled to have you here, very excited about what this podcast is going to evolve into being, and glad that you're here for the ride. Come one, come all.